You remind me of a Sunday Back home in old Kentucky With the church choirs just belt into the pines And I love you like the mountains Loves the way the morning opens To a soft and bright greeting from the sun So if it make you stay I wouldn't act so angry all the time I wouldn't keep it all inside And I'd let you know how much I loved you every day right, for our 20th podcast here on Milk and Bourbon I brought back a fan favorite Um, The one The one podcast that I did that surpassed the first one that I ever put out because you've got the the it being so new that brings in people just to see what it's all about the only one that surpassed that was the one that I did with you bluegrass conspiracy um, about a year ago and I figured why mess with a winning formula um, so I brought him back on again same old man Travis Rogers yeah and well, I bring in the AAR, AARP demographic so it opens up a whole new population for you you get some people that i don't don't usually get to reach so there's some wisdom that dad imparts on people and i think that that draws people in um we are covering yet another book that comes out of kentucky mostly out of kentucky and and somewhat out of west virginia as well um i'd seen this this show i think right when it released in 2012 it's called the hatfields and mccoys um it's got kevin costner and Bill Paxton in it. Mm-hmm. Bill Paxton's also in Tombstone. He's the brother that dies. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen a 1993 film yet. But uh, it intrigued me because it, it seems so near to us, not many generations ago, that law and justice was taken upon almost in a tribal manner than than in the, the centralized judiciary that, that it's done now. So very interesting read, very interesting story. Yeah, well, in, in Appalachia, in, in the, uh, I guess our story starts right around the Civil War time, but in Appalachia, not only do they not have a 911 to call, they don't, they don't have telephones, period. Mm-hmm. So if you've, uh, uh, you have to protect yourself, you have to protect your family, um, um, you, you have to take that into your own hands in many respects. And so how it happens is these families, either either through ambition or just because of their natural um style there's these familial family familial leaders that are somewhat elected to where decisions are ran through them and that's the same with the two families in question the hatfields and the mccoys uh we will go into some of the events that lead into this blood feud uh here momentarily but for the mccoys it was ranel is that how we say it ranel Rannell, yeah. and then for the the Hatfields, it was Devil Ants Hatfield. Uh, Rannell McCoy and the McCoy clan, all with some some people not following the general rule, but most of them were from the Kentucky side of the Tug Fork River, um, which is far eastern Kentucky, um, north of Pikeville. Um, and then most of the Hatfields were from the West Virginia side of Tug Fork River. Um, they were all within about 15, 20 miles of each other. 
at their greatest distance and somewhere even closer, um, stones throws away from each other. And what makes this feud so interesting is a lot of people from the outset will say it's the Hatfields versus the McCoys, but because they live so close together and cohabitated in ways, they started intermarrying and these loyalties started getting a little muddied over the years. The first thing I wanted to talk about was what I would say is the true start of the feud. I understand that there were things that happened before this, but the hog trials, I think, is where things started to come to a head. Would you disagree or agree? Yeah, I would, I would disagree a little bit. Uh, Devil Lance, in his later years, used to say, for sensationalist, sensationalism reasons, that it started because of a hog, but he, he largely did that for attention. Uh, it, it was the killing, for me, it was the killing of Harmon McCoy that happened probably more than a decade earlier, Harmon McCoy being Randall's brother. Um, and, and I'll tell you, back then, um, yeah, journalists would, would sensationalize a number of different things. They did it with Jesse James. They did it with uh, Billy the Kid. They, they had to sell papers, right? It's, it's their version of, of clickbait, I think. And they sensationalized a lot of the things that went on. And they liked to say that it started because of a hog because they wanted to paint this region, this Appalachian region, as being uh, savage and uncivilized and, and taking the law into their own hands at the drop of a, um, well, just at any, at any right. point. So, so I, I don't know that it started because of a hog, but people like to say that. I would also say that that sounds laughable now, but when we, we have ready access to a lot of things in this day and age, and a lot of things have been mainstreamed for us. But even today, there's people that live in Appalachia that have trouble to, to get some of the things that maybe might be available to, to everyone else. Um, so I would think that it would be a big deal if someone's property, something worth thousands of dollars now, probably still very expensive to acquire and maintain even back then, such as a hog. It's an excellent point. Just like I said earlier, you didn't have a 911, you didn't have a telephone, you also didn't have a grocery store. And, and a hog is going to feed a large family, and I think at this point, Randall McCoy had about eight kids at that point. Yeah. That hog would have fed his entire family for probably more than a, a winter's month. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a big deal. But, but, but I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to say right now that the whole thing was the Hatfield's fault. I mean, I, I'm ready to pick a side. I, I'm, not, I'm just going to choose a side. I'm not going to, you know, jump back and forth like some folks did. It, it was the Hatfield's fault. And poor Randall was just trying to provide for his family. And, and that hog was an important thing. I, I won't disagree with you that in, in this book, Blood Feud, and I'm not sure. We, we pulled from different sources for this podcast, but in the book... She tries to show, Lisa Alter tries to show uh, accounts by Coleman C. and Coleman A., which are both sons of Cap, which was brother to Devil Ants. Or sorry, he was a son of Devil Ants. Cap was the son of Devil Ants. So this is four generations down. They started writing uh, memoirs, and they clearly paint the Hatfield as being, this was just circumstance, and this is how it was, and we didn't aggress anything. And they started, they, they would even mollify some of the, the things that Devil Ants did. I don't disagree with you that the Hatfields were definitely somewhat, somewhat more the aggressors. What I will say is that Randall McCoy was a bit meek 
of a leader. At least that's how he's described in here. And then when you see some of the, the reactions to the Hatfields, you would say that maybe he could have used a stronger hand when he saw that he wasn't going to be covered by the marshals and, yeah. and the police officers there in that region. Well, well two things, and, and I don't disagree with you. When you say that he wasn't a great leader, he wasn't trying to be a leader. His yeah. job, he was a farmer, and he was a sustenance farmer. His job was to just eke out enough on this hilly land in eastern Kentucky to, 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 make his, to help his family survive. That's point number one. But point number two is Devil Ants. He, uh, he was a powerful person in the region. He owned a timber business. He owned a whiskey business. He was a large land holder. Uh, he um, knew a lot of people in politics. In fact, he put a lot of people there. He had um, a number of allegations where he would intimidate voters uh, to make sure that his folks were put into power. So he had the politicians. He had the money. He had the power. And, and Randall McCoy was just trying to eke out a living. So I think— that actually brings, I, I kind of want to circle back to the hog trial, not because hogs are so important, but because it led to a couple of different things that happened on an election day. And now election days in the 1800s, around 1860, I think is when this happened, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, 1855, 1860. Election days were a little bit different. People actually showed up and, and congregated together. It was a social event. It was a party. Yep. And... Uh, as they were exiting this election day, this was after the hog trial, um, one of the family members of the McCoys who had married into the Hatfields was killed by two McCoys. And this is why I think this is the start. Now, I, I think that obviously what the, it was uh, Sam and Paris McCoy that killed Bill Statton. Bill Statton was uh, indirectly related to all of the McCoys but had married into the Hatfield family. He was killed. They were acquitted of their crimes because they said it was in self-defense. Self-defense. Jury of their peers. That is true as well that these the two McCoys, and well, you don't have to base everything off size. Bill Statton was an ox of a man. He's described as. And then or sorry, Paris and um, squirrel-hunting Sam were still very fairly young and, and not quite large people. But they were, they were tried for the murder of Bill Statton. I think that's what started it. Now that's no, that's no point to Ranel. Ranel, he had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do with that decision. So what happened to his family afterwards? His core family, I I wouldn't say it's his fault whatsoever. But I think the McCoys dealt the first blow, and then the Hatfields continued to just take advantage of that. Well, I, again, I, I'm on McCoy's side. I, I think it started before that. It started when the Hatfield crew, uh, the Logan County Wildcats, killed Harmon McCoy. So there, Randall lost a brother. It, the second thing happened when they stole Randall's hog. And then that was when you didn't, you didn't put your hog in a pen. It roamed around. It had Randall's, had Randall's mark on it. That was the second. The third thing is when Devil Lance's oldest son impregnated out of wedlock Randall's Which daughter. Was high crime back then. And then left her. Yeah. And married another McCoy girl, 15-year-old girl. Now, that was no big deal then. But the point is, there were three things that happened before that. and um, No one was done. Uh, all right. Yeah. So, so, and, but he was acquitted. He was acquitted. That was the one thing about the McCoys. When you did something against them, they would take you to court. Devil Ants, he would take you down to the river and execute you. I'm just, right. So, I think the hog trial was the first step. I do, I, I agree with you that Harmon McCoy... It, there were more, it wasn't a personal thing in that 
it wasn't the Hatfields targeting McCoys. It was because the Hatfields, who had defected from the the Confederate Army to protect their homeland, because at the time people were running out of their supply chain, so they started taking things from homes. Yep. And so they formed this thing called the Logan County Wildcats. Was It was a militia. That's right. And Harmon, the first one killed, he had fought for the Union. And right. he told him that he would he would pay for that. Yep. So I do agree that there was some... It, it wasn't a personal family-on-family thing. It was the fact that someone had dared to go to the Union side um, from that region, West Virginia, Kentucky, at the time. Now, both considered border states, but in those particular very poor areas, they often went Confederate for whatever reason. True. Brother against brother. And, and uh, West Virginia didn't even exist. I want to say, I don't have this in my notes, but I think it didn't secede from Virginia until 1863. So it was midway through the Civil War, Civil War and suddenly the Hatfields found themselves members of an, a Union-supporting state. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the reason they created the, the yeah. Logan County Wildcats. Yep. So they did deal that first blow against Harmon, but nothing happened again for another 12 years, 13 years. It was more than a decade. And then that's when the hog trial happened. Bill Statton dies. Um, The boys are acquitted um, due to self-defense. And then I want to say three or four years later, the Pawpaw murders occur. This is, there are several things that I'm skipping over that led to this, but three sons of Rennell, um, were executed. Oh, I'll tell you what actually happened. They killed Ellison. Ellison Hatfield during another election day. Um, Ellison Hatfield was drunk. Some words came. And oh, this one is of those... great. You can't just skip over the words. The words were great. So, again, partying, drunk, and after a fight, one of the McCoy boys stand up and says, I'm hell on earth. <laughs> and the Hatfield, who had been napping at this point, stood up and said, you're a damn shit hog. And if there's one thing you don't say to McCoy is you don't call him a damn shit hog. They're, they're very sensitive about anything to do with hog. <laughs> yeah, so one of those three boys, actually it says it, it's mentioned that two of those three boys were actively involved in killing Ellison Hatfield. Yeah, now again, you know, that's the kind of thing I feel like it should have gone to trial because uh, once Ellison Hatfield said, you're a damn shit hog, and they go to fighting... Honestly, the, the Hatfield guy started getting the better, better of it, so the McCoy boy pulled out a knife. Yeah. And then the Hatfield guy was still doing well, so a second McCoy boy jumped in. And it's once he raised a large rock above his head, getting ready to crash it down on a McCoy boy, that a third McCoy boy got in trouble because blood, you know, they're not going to let... They, he pulls out a gun and shoots him. So yeah. again, you know, they could have sh- should have taken it to trial to determine who was at fault, but... They did not. Uh... Devil Lance. So this is when Devil Lance is. There are times that we could argue about the level of involvement Devil Lance had with Harmon's death or or with anything that preceded this. But this is when Devil Lance, I believe, is really coming to his own and has taken the helm. This is where he's starting to become that that man that you mentioned, who's who's able to have that sway in the region. But he he ties up these three McCoy boys and essentially jails them himself in in a schoolhouse awaiting for Ellison to die. And he said, listen, you'll get your boys unarmed. He's talking to, her name started with an R, Rosanna, the mother of the children. He said, if, if, if Ellison lives, your boys will return to you just fine. Ellison didn't live. I think Devil Lance knew that. And so they decided to execute these three boys. Yeah. Tied them up to pawpaw trees right across the river. They transported them right across the river to Kentucky. I, I mean by 50, 100 feet. Tied him to some pawpaw trees, killed him, and then went back over to the West Virginia line. 
So yes, the the regular judicial system was 100% not recognized there. Um, and then this is when they started trying to bring the politics into it, and it really muddied the waters. Each family was sending messages to their respective governors, and then it was... This is where I think that if they had had a strong judicial system that was completely separate from the legislative, this would be fine. But there were political uh, considerations by both governors to where they didn't really want to do anything um, to adjudicate justice. Well, now I'm going to put in two things. Number one, when they killed that Hatfield guy, it was on the Kentucky side. And they were taking all, all three boys, and there were even McCoys that were doing it, taking all three McCoy boys to Pikeville for trial. They're saying, hey, these boys did wrong. Let's That's take true. them to trial. And Devil Lance, who wasn't even at the party, came across the river, took them back to West Virginia. So they were going to trial. Mm-hmm. But he said, hey, no, we're, we're going to figure that out. But you're right. Once they started getting outside influence, uh, other politicians, especially politicians that Devil Lance didn't have control of, mm-hmm. who, who were not in his pocket, that's when things started to get get getting really hairy because, you know, once outside influences started getting involved, outside money, uh, he, he felt he had to take it in his in his own hands. All right, so we have the Paul Paul murders, which are brutal, and that's that's three sons of Rennell in one fell stroke, gone. That's right. He's already lost a brother. Now lost he's lost three sons. That's right. They took him down to the river, tied him to bushes, and executed him. What happens next? Uh, are you, when they come to Randall's house. Mm-hmm. All right, so they decide, uh, because I think at some point they deputized some people and they started doing raids to go arrest Hatfields. And Hatfield said, hey, we're not going to have you coming over to West Virginia arresting our kin. So yeah. they, they got about 20 people together, and they go to Randall's house. And, uh, and, and they're, they're, they essentially set his house on fire. Mm-hmm. And once people start running out, they start shooting them. They shoot his daughter. Uh, they shoot his son. Uh, they butt stroke his wife Sally and, and and breaks her hip so that she's never the same mentally. She can't never walk the same without physically. Yeah, she can't cut, uh, walk without assistance for the so, rest of her life. So at this point, Randall's lost his brother. He's got a young daughter that's been impregnated out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Lost three of his sons. Lost a fourth son. Lost a daughter. And and the Hatfields keep coming strong. And when they show up, they don't show up by themselves. They show up with twenty or forty nine people, depending on which which battle we're talking about. Yeah, and this was this was also a strange time because both sides, one more effective than the other. The Hatfields were far more effective at doing this, for whatever reason. They were they were deputizing people to try to make it look legitimate, and it was just so slipshod this whole time. Rennell's just trying to subsist. I agree with you. He he was, but. I have to say that at some point you got to say enough is enough, and and Rennell never did that until he he completely removed himself from the well, yeah, situation. You're right. Now a lot of these folks are very simple folks. They, many of them didn't read and write. Even Devil Ants didn't read or write uh, until very late in in life. Um, but but you're right. Rennell was a very simple person, and he liked he wanted life to stay simple. Um, and he he probably should have taken arms a little bit taken up arms a little bit sooner, but. I will say another thing about this this family, the Hatfields, is they, they were always talking about <clears throat> unity and the Hatfields being about the Hatfields, but there were three characters that I kept rounding back to who I thought were really just about themselves and were willing to watch everyone else get trampled in the way. Devil Ants and his two sons. How do you pronounce it? Johncy? Johncy. Johncy and Cap. Johncy was his oldest son, and he's the one that impregnated a couple of McCoy girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cap, I think a lot of the information in this book comes from his comes son from and grandson. So you know that's that's 
Yeah. Well, she does do a, an admirable job of... So there's a... The daughter of one of Rennell's sons, so one of his granddaughters, uh, ends up writing as well. So she, what she tries to do is she leverages the, the Coleman A, Coleman C accounts against, um, I believe it's his granddaughter, but it's, it's a McCoy. Um, and so she'll, she'll give both accounts. So it's not that she's trying to lean one way or the other. I, don't, I think she's actually related distantly to McCoy, yeah. and that's why she started writing about it. But what I'll mention, um, those three were the only ones, at least up until the feud unofficially ended, uh, that were not jailed. They would let brothers, uncles, cousins. Uh, one was hung. The last, I think, is the last public hanging. Yeah, uh, they called him Cotton Top. Mm. He was the illegitimate son of a Hatfield. He Ellison. Was a, it was the, the man that was stabbed to death. At, that's right. He yep. was the illegitimate son of a Hatfield, and and he had some um, some developmental problems, but he yep. had been ordered by Hatfields. Uh, to kill one, to kill the the daughter of McCoy the, the night that they set his house on mm-hmm. on fire. So he was he was hung, but after a trial, I mean, he had a trial at least. He wasn't taken down to the river and executed like those McCoy boys. I'm telling you, McCoys. If you're not on the McCoy side, then you're a lawless communist. He sees in black and white. Yeah, you're you know <laughs> rule of law. Uh, but but you know you tend to, and I mentioned this in the other podcast that I was in. You tend to identify with people who have things that are similar to your own life. I identified during the last podcast with the guy who had been a part of the 82nd Airborne Division, with the guy who had gone to law school. And it's the same thing here. Uh, You identify with the McCoys, or at least I identify with the McCoys because they were the Kentucky side. But not only that, you know, my grandparents were from Appalachia. My grandparents were farmers. My grandparents um, couldn't, you know, hadn't gone beyond sixth or eighth grade. so, so you tend to identify with things like that. But outside of that, still, if you don't pick the McCoy side, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> That's that. Yeah, so I think what I was trying to do while I was preparing for this, for this podcast with you was uh, what are some major drawaways from this, from, from what happened? And um, one of the things that, because we, we talked about this quite a bit in the last one too, is... Um, the efficacy of the judiciate system. And w- remember when I asked you, like, why does it take so long? And you were saying, well, if it were my sons, I, I would want them to be um, given the fairest trial possible. And I-, I will tell you that no one got a fair trial, a fair shake um, between both families. I think, I think Devil Ants, Cap, Johnsey had quite a bit of blood on their hands and they got away with it for quite some time. Johnsey ended up being imprisoned, um, and then he actually saved the life of the warden six years into his imprisonment and was actually paroled. That's right. He was one of the ones that was sentenced for the arson of uh, Randall McCoy's house. And yep. was sentenced to life, as a matter of fact, but you're right. He ran away years. for several years and then got eventually caught by um, yep. what was believed to be detectives that Randall had paid for to go out and chase after him. Pinkerton detectives. And, that, and it, so that's what I think the question you were asking, that was one of the things that I was going to say. When outside influences come in, mm-hmm. we've got outside influences in terms of politicians. Mm-hmm. We've got outside influences in terms of money because the coal business and the railroad business was first starting out then. Um, and those pinker detectives, detectives were coming in, not because they were interested in justice, they were interested in, in bounty money. Um, oh yeah, that was very heavily money driven for quite, when I was telling you about all the slipshod, we're going to deputize him, we're going to, 
the McCoys were even kind of doing it again. It, Rennell seemed to be just the hapless bystander in a lot of this, but yeah. Rennell, Rennell got. I mean, uh, he got. I mean, it's, it's a rough life yeah. Rennell had. So, all in all, he ended up losing seven children and his brother during this feud. I think there's something about ten McCoys that died, and then eight were, Hatfields. Uh, I don't. I counted two Hatfields. And for both of those Hatfields um, that that uh, were killed, one that the folks, I mean, they went to trial and they were acquitted. We yeah. talked about them a minute ago. And the other ones, the three were uh, were executed. Um, those are the only two Hatfields. The yeah. rest of them went to trial and went to jail. Right. Well, I mean, John C., there was, okay, for instance, um, Devalance's 12th and 13th child, which, again, the, the numbers make no sense to me. Rennell had 17 kids, I think is what we counted. I think Randall had 16, but, yeah. but we don't know that all of them lived to adulthood. Yeah, one of them was literally just named Daughter on the yeah. family tree. But um, they they were killed um, shortly after the, the, the True Blood feud ended. Um, so there's some, there's some Hatfields. Now, it wasn't at the hands of the McCoys, but it, there was quite a few Hatfields getting, getting killed. The, the two Hatfields that I know of, um, well, they, they didn't actually have the last name Hatfield, but it was outside influences doing it. It was Bad yeah. Frank Phillips, one of the guys that had been deputized in Pikeville, um, but another one of those outside influences. And he liked that bounty money. He liked being able to brag that, you know, he had a badge uh, that the governor had given him early on. I mean, he revo- governor yeah. revoked it later on, but... Um, he was the one that married the same woman that was impregnated by John C. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so John C., I mean... She left him because John C. liked to like to screw around. Yeah, he was he was running around on her. Yeah, so so she left him, and then Bad Frank uh, Phillips took up with her, as they call it. Yeah, they settled down with some of John C.'s children. Yeah. Um. When you're given the opportunity to really look at what what it looks like when you don't have an an adequate judicial system to a framework to yeah. to fall back on, this is what you're looking at is decades of people dying um for for grudges that people hold against each other and because they weren't held in check it just got crazy um like i said Rennell lost Rannell. i'm sorry i keep mispronouncing his name but lost seven kids brother had a had a daughter that had grandchildren of his out of wedlock <clears throat> which made it very difficult for her back then i think it was sarah mccoy but anyways it was rosanna but it was the fact that he then left her after that. Yeah, then didn't provide. Yeah. Bad Frank picked up the mantle on that one. But what I'm saying is that this is what you this is what could happen if you didn't have those that structure in place. That's right. That's the reason we we rely upon the rule of law. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be the rule of man. Yeah. It can't be one person making these decisions because persons are not perfect. They they let emotion uh, come into play. They let money come into play. So the, the rule of law has to has to be the foundation for those things. I agree. A brief break about our sponsors. <laughs> Kidding. Would love to have that spoken into existence, but um, this is a bourbon that Dad and I discovered. We did not consume all of this tonight. This had been consumed in past nights, but um, it's called Old Granddad. It's made from the same sour mash bill as uh, Basil Hayden. Allegedly. I mean, I can't, yeah, I can't go and check on it, but that's what they say. It's not one of the top shelf bourbons. It's one no, of it's $19. Ones. It's yeah. $19, and that's why I want to I show all my people, 
that you can have a solid bourbon. I would say it's a very good bourbon. I'd say it is, and I think you've proven that already. When you say that Long Branch is one of your high, highest ranking ones in terms mm-hmm. of the, your blind taste test, and that's not considered a, a top shelf bourbon. No, um, and it's from, a, it's from a distillery that I would not have guessed I would have enjoyed. The Wild Turkey Distillery, it, that was my dad's distillery. He was, I mean, he was a Wild Turkey 101 guy. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't going for the high he, he wanted to, he liked pain, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but same, allegedly, as you say, same mash bill as Basil Hayden, and it's about half, if not a third of the price. Um, and it's a little bit stronger. So one thing that I will say about Basil Hayden is it's not a bad bourbon. I think I have rated it very low, but it's only because it's meant for your brand new bourbon drinker. It's an 80 proof. So it's it's not very strong yeah. at all, and it's meant to not offend someone that's brand new to bourbon. Now this is being a hundred proof, has some body to it. Um, and and that's one thing I say with with regard to new drinkers. And I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast or not. But if you're first starting to drink drink bourbon, it's 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 going to be a little bit of a shock to the system, and it's something you have to sort of be patient with just for those of you who drink coffee i can't remember if i said this for those of you who drink coffee when you first started drinking coffee or maybe when you were a child and you had your first drink of coffee it probably was a bit repulsive but as you get older your taste buds change and you start to develop a taste for things like that bourbon's very much the same the first taste is going to shock you a little bit but but be patient and stick with it Are we ready to wrap up? I don't, I don't think I nailed that, but that's all right. <clears throat> all right, so oftentimes uh, he will have two bourbons to compare and contrast, and we don't have that tonight. I mean, he did talk a little bit about Old Granddad, but that's the only bourbon we have here with us. And at, at the start of this podcast, uh, um, I told you you should pick a side, and you should pick the McCoy side. And if you don't, then, then you're, you're wrong about that. But since we don't have bourbons to pick aside tonight, what we do have is we have the Pepsi Challenge. I was explaining to not only Nick, and Nick may remember some of it, but my younger boys, um, I was talking about the Cola Wars, and I was talking about um, the marketing um, gimmick, the campaign where they had the Pepsi Challenge, where they would have a blind taste test, and they'd say, hey, I'm a Coke drinker, and I can pick out Coke, and then they would have a blind taste test and see which one they really liked. Now, we're getting ready to do that. We're going to do the Pepsi Challenge. I'm going to do it blind and not see which one you're pouring, and then you'll do it. But I'll tell you, growing up my whole life, I liked Coke. My dad liked Pepsi, and I always thought Pepsi was too sweet. But earlier, as I was saying, your, your taste, uh, taste buds start to change. And over the past year, two years, uh, I guess, I've started to develop a taste for Pepsi over, over Coke. But I've never done the blind taste test, so we're gonna we're gonna do that now. Yes, we are. All right. So again, one of these is Pepsi, one of these is Coke. I'll try the one closest to me first. Okay. <laughs> Pop connoisseur. Yeah. Did the two smell different? No, I can tell you. They taste so similar, but one of them has a little bit more, um, what's the bubbly stuff called? Carbonation. Carbonation, just a little bit more something in the air, like a mist in the air. This one that's closest to me, I think the one that's closest to me is the Pepsi. 
That is correct. That is the Pepsi. Yeah. It's just, but the the difference is so minuscule. And you have to say, the Pepsi is what Dad prefers now. He wouldn't have always said that. That's right. That's right. I grew up drinking Coke. I think I mentioned that earlier. The old man that drank Pepsi, and I, I just sort of looked at him sideways because of that. Um, but over the last couple of years, as your taste buds change, I started to develop a, a taste for, for Pepsi. I'll try this first one first. One closest to you. I think you're going to be amazed how similar they are. It's troubling. <laughs> oh, man. Are they the same drink? <laughs> I'm going to say this one that was furthest from me and closest to you is Pepsi. Saying that I think this is better. And I think it's Coke. Mm. You sure? <laughs> that's what I did to them with the bourbons and threw them for a loop for a while. Yeah, that's I'm going with that. You're correct. I am correct. This is the Pepsi. That's the Coke. And I think you said you preferred Coke to begin with. I do still believe that Coke's better. I don't mind. I mean, again, they are remarkably similar. It's almost like, why are we even arguing over this? Whatever's closest to you at the checkout line, it's fine. But I will say that the Pepsi is a little bit sweeter. um, But not as much sweeter as you'd think. That's right. When I, when I, um, I don't like you said, the checkout line, I would immediately think, well, this one's going to be much sweeter, but that's what I like now. But when you taste them side by side, it's it's just Remarkably barely similar. different. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah, they might have the same. They've got the same recipe. Coke just acts like it's a yeah. secret. Well, Hatfields and McCoys. Hatfields and McCoys. Choose a side. And choose correctly. There's only one right. Um... We both still like what we like as far as sodas go. Uh, and cheap bourbon that tastes good is God's God's gift to, to man. Yeah, true. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love having you on. We'll continue to do it over the years as long as I'm, I'm still doing this. So thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. I know we're a little bit late, but um, love you all. Thank you for your time. Uh, I'm going to pour real quick so we can do our up to it, down to it. Up to it, down to it, damn the man that can't do it. Thanks again, y'all. Well, I used to ride a Mustang, and I'd run that thing on high hopes. So I only ever knew one Hatfield was worth anything. I couldn't pay, so I let that car just sit there. When I should have took you driving, the windows down. While the music played So if it make you stay